Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you're joining me today for another fantastic interview and conversation that is going to give you value and some things to think about in your work in talent development. Today, I'm talking with Nuno Gonsilvich, and Nuno is a senior HR leader who is at the forefront of envisioning and driving business and HR-led transformations. He's an early pioneer in the move towards continuous transformation as a new reality. Nuno is currently the global head of strategic capabilities building for Mars, working on understanding the crucial capabilities for the future and that the business strategy is fully aligned with the Mars University. Nuno has spent time as chief learning officer for another major company in Europe, and he has a long history of work in L&D and capability building. And in this interview, we talk about global transformation. We talk about what is strategic capability building and how that works with L&D. We talk about building versus buying capabilities. We talk about Nuno's approach at Mars and uh, how he works with L&D, as well as what's changing in the world of talent development and some of the companies that he sees taking a great approach. We talk about learning and the flow of work and how we can all aspire to move more towards that culture, which has been popularized by Josh Burson. We talk about social contracts a lot in this uh, interview, as well as kind of the modern approach to leading and what leaders need to be thinking about as we go into the new future of work in 2021 and beyond. And finally, we spend some time talking about the economics of mutuality, which is something that Nuno is big on and Mars is big on as well. And I think it's going to be something that you are going to enjoy hearing about and you're going to want to take some notes on as well. And then finally, just a note, we do cover all of that and more in this main interview, but we also do have a bonus content session where I asked Nuno about his greatest success, his greatest failures, the trends he's following in talent development, and his advice 
for people who work in talent development. And that is only available to members of the Talent Development Think Tank community on our members-only podcast. If you want to join that, just head on over to our website, tdtt.us. All right, without any further ado, here is my interview with Nuno Gonsalves, who is the Global Head of Strategic Capabilities Building for Mars. Enjoy. All right, I am on with Nuno Gonsalves, and Nuno is the Global Head of Strategic Capabilities Building for Mars. Nuno, welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Andy. So great to have you on. Uh, we were introduced by Kelly Palmer, who has been on this podcast in the past, a long time ago. And you have been doing so many different cool things, including the work you're doing at Mars, the work you're doing with the Josh Burson Academy, the research you do around capability building, the future of work, and the economics of mutuality. And I'm hoping we have time to jump into, get into all of those things. I want to start with your title, what you do right now, Head of Strategic Capability Building. What does that mean? <laughs> it's a mouthful. Andy, basically, the intention is the following. We know that the world is changing at an unprecedented rate. It's no surprise for anyone. Uh, we know that we are changing. Our businesses are changing and adapting to that pace. Uh, what we realize is that we're probably not building the capabilities at the speed and pace that we need. So my job, and I started this job only seven months ago, uh, my job is with uh, the rest of the team to try to bring um, intentionality to the way that we build capabilities, meaning understanding what are the capabilities of the future that will be critical for us to be able to deliver on our strategy, uh, understand those capabilities early on, hopefully even before our competitors, and be able to decide what we're going to do about it. Are we going to buy those capabilities because we want to go to market fast and they exist in the market? Or do we want to build those capabilities because we believe um, we have uh, internally the, the potential and the talent to be able to do that? So a lot of the work that we are doing is trying to anticipate the future so that we can make the choices and the right, hopefully the right choices on whether to buy, build or borrow um, those capabilities. Um, we will uh, do that also in the team uh, through Mars University. Mars University is, has been around for 15 years already. So as any other corporate university trying to understand again, what are the capabilities that we need and build them. And we have established this organization to help us do the building side of, of these capabilities. So in short, to be able to anticipate the future, understand what are the capabilities that are most strategically important for us, and then make um, mindful and, and intentional decisions on how we're going to go to market um, to actually acquire those capabilities, both externally and or internally as well. Yeah. So when you talk about buying or building or borrowing capabilities, we're talking about people, right? Not technology. And so when you're building, you mean developing, upskilling, whatever we want to call it, people who already work in the organization versus buying would be going out and doing talent acquisition, hiring people with the skills and experience, or maybe acquiring a, a smaller company that has skilled employees who have that experience. Absolutely. People that have the skills that we need tomorrow and the potential to actually shape um, the skills and the competences that we will need in the, in the future. And you've worked in learning and development. You were chief learning officer at UCB in Brussels. So I'm curious, how does this differ or is this kind of in the same category? Do you have someone at Mars also that runs learning and development and do you work closely with them? 
we at Mars we have a, a, a probably a little bit of a different model. Uh, we have a model where um, in some cases is is similar to others where we have part of our shared services organization doing part of the learning and development piece. At Mars we have it as well. So we have our what we call our Mars Global Services doing some of the learning and development piece. And then we have my organization that has uh, that leads the, 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 the corporate colleges that leads the leadership college and all the functional colleges. We have 11 at the total, uh, all the colleges within MarsU. So it, for us, it's a partnership um, between uh, us trying to understand what is the strategy for learning, us trying to understand what will be the, the priorities for the entire learning organization, and then our shared services organization with the ability and the skills to be able to build those capabilities, design, develop, and deploy those capabilities. So for us, it's a, it's a joint partnership yeah. um, to understand what we need and then build, build accordingly as well. What I'm hearing is you're kind of more on the strategic side of like, where do we need to go? What skills do we need? How are we going to build or acquire those skills? And then L&D or talent development can go out and implement that in terms of, okay, let's start putting programs and things together to develop the people to get the right skills in place so that we can move forward and execute on our strategy. You're absolutely right. Uh, the, the caveat there is that we, we, because we are at the forefront with the business, we are, we are working with the with what we call our segments with our functions mm. it's almost invisible so for us for our business if you're a business leader i'm working with you and, and you will see me as representing the full the full value chain of learning and development um, while we kind of take care of what we do in our internal cuisine um, but those are our details so we'll we'll, we'll make sure that uh, whatever we commit to you uh, we'll be able to um, to deliver um, and to build the capabilities that ultimately we've identified in the beginning. Yeah. You, you have a global view and work for a global company and you see a lot of what's going on, also do a lot of research in this space. You know, what do you see happening in the global learning and talent development space right now? There's there's few things going on. There's a lot of things going on. So industry base, it's, it's probably as active as I've ever seen in terms of technology and uh, having and seeing some of the big players of our industry position themselves even even stronger um, in in this industry, uh, you saw you saw we saw Microsoft coming and, and announcing um, Microsoft Viva um, as their kind of future of work technology, which is absolutely phenomenal. The way um, Microsoft is probably, my perspective, uniquely positioned to um, be one of the one of the at the forefront of. The, the future of work moving forward. They have, um, you know, they know our meetings, they know who we email, they know the content that we, that we build um, and they, they will ultimately help us um, do what uh, we've been saying since uh, for, for a while to um, go to a place where learning and work are probably the same thing. They're two parts of the same coin and where we integrate ultimately learning in the flow of work. I think that this is a big kind of, um, it's a jargon that we use, the learning in the flow of work that I don't think that I haven't seen any company really being able to do that. Um, and I believe that Microsoft is, is, is definitely um, in, in the right direction. But you've seen, you've seen LinkedIn also um, announcing their learning experience platform. You've seen obviously, you know, LinkedIn was bought by Microsoft a few years ago. You see Oracle also wanting to be positioned. So you see a lot of the great players and the big players seeing an opportunity here. So that's on the external technology piece. Um, on the other side, there's this 
this, this, this turmoil of um, the impact that COVID and, and um, has, is having on us and on the corporations and, 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 and the way that we work and whether it's hybrid work, the future, or it's the future mostly uh, you know, at home or um, we know it's going to be different. So what's going on as well is that we're trying to understand what this future of work will be. Uh, we're trying to understand what will be uh, what we call the social contract between the corporations and the employees. So what, what will one, meaning the corporations, will, will uh, require from an employee, what an employee will require from, uh, from a corporation, and that is changing. And I can obviously talk a little bit about this. So we see this social contract um, changing as well. Um, when we go more corporations, um, learning and developing inside the organizations, um, comes without saying digitalization just kind of, it was boosted and, and, and we're all probably, um, uh, it gave us more, more of a boost than anything else. Um, last year, we had 94% of our, all our offerings in a digital format, of course, um, and that, will, that is continuing to shape and reshape all the, um, all the, all the offerings that we have. Lastly, uh, Andy, there's, there's one thing that I'm very passionate about is, is how, um, how leaders uh, will have to transform themselves to be able to cope with this new social contract that we've talked about. Um, and, and what will these leaders be? What will corporations be? And, and we, I have a perspective. We have a perspective of, of how this, these corporations are changing and what could probably be a perspective of the future for all of us. And what is the new social contract that you speak of that, that leaders need to, to cope with? I'm not sure I understood that. So I think if you go back to history, so, um, you know, industrial revolutions, basically revolution, basically the social contract is that you need to work for 12 hours and you'll, you'll get paid. The conditions were so-so, um, but basically it was work for money, right? It was kind of the, 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 the contract. Right. There was uh, probably in the 70s, there's, um, this, you know, the, the, the Friedman's doctrine that, that actually says and was the foundation of this economic paradigm that we have today that says that basically the, the only um, uh, role of an organization is to create value, financial value for the shareholders, right? Basically, the only thing that you need to do as an organization is to deliver financials um, one way or the other. So what we were seeing now and probably in the past years, and this connects to some of the things that you were talking about in terms of economics of mutuality is that we are seeing a different uh, economic model uh, appearing. Uh, one that we that says that it, there is much more to success of a corporation than just the financial return of the shareholders. And, and what we are seeing with COVID the same way with the digitalization is that this from my perspective, from where we stand, this has accelerated is that we see um, corporations doing things that they have never done before. Um, for example, I was giving an example of, of, uh, of a friend of mine that told me, you know, listen, when um, there, we had the, the, the storms in Texas and the, the electricity outages and all that, he said, listen, um, uh, my CEO actually opened the, the door of our offices to uh, all our employees and their families, despite all the the legal uh, conundrums that, that he could eventually uh, have. And you know what? Um, he would never have done this before because in the past 12 months, he has gone through a journey of empathy with, with our associates and empathy with the world and society that 
we believe that now more than ever, people want to do well and people want to do good. And that's a, that's a big transition from focus on the short term, focus on the financials deliverables, focus on the quarterly results to actually focusing on doing the right thing longer term. Mm. And we believe that these ones that will be focusing on the right thing longer term will be the ones that will be more sustainable in the future. And that's how this is changing is that now the employees, uh, and, and if you ask me, I have obviously my kids, 10 years ago, I would probably uh, advise them to go to some of the big financial firms you know, if they want to start their jobs, whether it's a JP Morgan or whether it's a, a Facebook or a Google or an Amazon, um, probably right now, I would advise them differently. I would advise them to go for to those that actually have a track record of const constantly doing the right thing, mm. not only for them, but for the, 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 their partners, their associates, their, their supply, uh, yeah. uh, and, and eventually to the world as well. And, and that is what I think is, is changing, is the paradigm of what, a, what an employee is looking for and what a, a corporation is looking for. So it's a big, long-ended answer. Yeah. So as a result of COVID and also, of course, the social justice movement and the more popularity of diversity, equity, inclusion, things like that, employees are asking and looking for more companies that are doing the right thing beyond just providing experience and money, but providing growth and providing you know, social improvement and how they're impacting the community and the world. And so companies have to pivot to that. And also as a result of COVID, you're saying, and there were already leaders that were very people focused and doing the right thing, right? But there were many that were just quarter to quarter, top line, bottom line. And now a lot of leaders had to have had to develop a lot more empathy and EQ and really communicate with people to adapt to these times. And I know you, you mentioned earlier, learning in the flow of work, which of course has been popularized by Josh Burson. He also talks about the quote unquote power skills, replacing quote soft skills, right? Because that EQ and things like that and empathy have become much more important. They're undervalued a lot of times. And now because of this new social contract, we're seeing things like that becoming much more important for leaders of big organizations. You're spot on and you just told it much better than I did. So <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Andy. No, it is exactly that. And I think it's, uh, for me, the excitement is that it, there's a new world ahead of the curve. Right? So there's something coming from from my perspective. And 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 I, I'm, I'm very curious about what that will be. Uh, I'm sure that we won't go back to what we were three years ago in terms of society and, and corporations. Um, is it what we have today? Probably not, but it will be a new version moving forward. But you're absolutely right. Um, for those of us that are working on learning and leadership development, talent management, I think it's fascinating to try to anticipate um, what a great leader will be tomorrow that, because it might be different than, well, it will be different than you know, 10 years ago or yeah. even probably five years ago. Sure. It's, it's, so, yeah, I mean, I have a whole philosophy on that modern leadership. I talked about it in a previous episode on the show, but the, the days of command and control is over, right? Leaders need more empathy. They need to connect more with people. We need inclusive culture, psychological safety, all that stuff. So the, the things are definitely, definitely changing. You also mentioned learning in the flow of work, which again was popularized by Josh Burson, who's a mutual friend of both of ours. And you, you kind of said there that a lot of organizations are not really doing it well yet. Microsoft is working that way, LinkedIn, Oracle, you know, what does that mean? And what should organizations be aspiring to, to really create this culture of learning and the flow of work? 
So the, the, there's, for me, it's, it's, today it's much more of a concept than necessarily practice, right? Mm. What I imagine lo- learning in the flow of work is, is being able to have more than learning in the flow, in, in, at, the finger, at, the, uh, at your fingertips is, is being able to not differentiate work and learning, right? Um, traditionally learning has been, you know, you go to first grade, second grade, about all that stuff. You do 12 years or you do 16 years or you do 20 years of study and then you go to work and then you, you stop and then you go your MBA and then you go back to work again. Um, right now it cannot be. And I think that some, hopefully some people will start um, kind of seeing that also at, in, in terms of higher education, right? And, and I, I start to see some movement, but it's, we need to make sure that, that everything that we do, all the processes, all the work that we do is actually embedded in learning and learning embedded in work. So for example, that, you know, and if you go and see some of the videos that, that Microsoft puts together for the learning experience, you, you, for the, for the, the Viva, the Viva um, uh, solution there, um, you will see that it's like when, when you're onboarding, it's a guided onboarding. You don't need to look for information. Um, you want the, you, it's an onboarding that actually connects you with people automatically because they understand, you know, what are the, where are the sources of knowledge that will be beneficial for you. And it will be an onboarding that will show you the different, the different um, uh, sources of this knowledge, whether it's learnings or, or, or communities of practice or that will guide you one way or the other. It's, it's, people, it's, a, it's a, a solution that is able to understand that if you have a meeting or, or a webcast with Andy in, in two weeks, that probably you want to have a look on his webcast, you know, podcasts or um, that you want to have, you know, a, a 30 minutes uh, e-learning program on communication skills, for example. It's that it's embedding um, the contents that, that, that you need uh, with the format that you need at the time that you need. And it's even probably more, it's the ability to anticipate your need. That for me is the flow of work. It's the learning in the flow of work. And I think we're evolving there slowly mm-hmm. and some companies give, a, give, a, give you a little bit of this, um, but there is no company that actually is able to see everything that you're doing from my perspective, apart from Microsoft that has your emails, that has the content of your emails, that has your, your calendar, that knows what you're gonna be doing, what you'll be doing you know, tomorrow and the day, the day after that has probably um, you know, some of the documents that we've pr- produced, your PowerPoint slides, all that stuff. And, and I think that now with AI, um, there's, a, there's a possibility to start integrating those different facets of work and then integrating that in learning as, as well. For over three years now, the Talent Development Hot Seat Podcast has been proudly sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage Performance Group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah, so it's not just learning on demand, but it's really integrating everything so that we are learning while we're working, which provides people more growth, which is what people want. Uh, So it works out really well for, for everybody. So really cool to aspire to. Nuno, on your LinkedIn profile, you say 
quote, I believe that HR needs to take its role in shaping tomorrow's sustainable, prosperous, and profitable future, building better professionals, more efficient teams, and stronger companies. What does that mean? And, and why is that so important right now? I believe at least the, 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 the HR professionals in my head, right? That might not be the reality that, that we should be in the succession line of chief execs. I believe that, and we've been saying this for a while now, that people are our, you know, I don't necessarily like the term, but kind of the most valuable assets of an organization, right? We've been saying that without people, we're not able to be successful. Right. But ultimately, um, what we, the people and the profiles that we put on um, as chief execs are people that are coming from operations, are people that are coming from financial backgrounds, and people that ultimately have their more less of a perspective of, of the human perspective that, we, that I believe um, the good, solid HR people need to have. Now, are we the only ones that need to have this? Of course not. I think all the great leaders that I've seen have this, this human side and this understanding of the human psychology and understanding of the how to motivate people. So I think that behind those words is, I do believe that we, HR, uh, we need to start being HR and start actually being leaders uh, that happen to have uh, uh, an expertise in whatever we do, in whether it's OD, talent management, but we need to be the visionaries of, of the future, creating the organizations that we need in the future, creating the leaders that we need in the future. From my perspective, my humble perspective is that the number one job of a chief exec um, is, uh, is, is, less, is much more on the people side than on, on, the, on the financial side. Of course, one without the other don't, don't exist. And this is the, the premise is being that if you actually do the right thing and if you have the right people, you're going, you, know, you will be successful one way or the other. If, you, if not, then probably your business model is not the right one. So um, I guess that's what's behind that, uh, uh, Andy. I think uh, we've yeah. been sitting somehow in the shadows um, COVID, uh, I think, brought HR a little bit to the to the spotlight. Uh, I don't think it's it's we're still. I don't think we're we're ready on the on where we um, where we deserve to be or not deserve to be where I think we should be. Yeah. Uh, which is trying to lead the world, trying to lead the world of the organizations, trying to really you know to shape the societies moving forward. And and you know I I think I I would like to be part of that world as well. Yeah. I mean, people have always been really important. Like you said, I think COVID really heightened that with everybody in the corporate world working remotely and HR and talent development had an opportunity to really step up and be in really pivotal roles inside organizations. And we saw some people truly stepping into that and becoming very strategic, others, maybe not as much, but there's a huge opportunity there. And we, we want our HR and talent development leaders to be more strategic, to really understand the strategy and be working on executing that strategy and be considered an important strategic part of every organization that the CEO and other C-suite members think about. So I love that you put that there. I wanted to highlight that. And as we're moving into more of this kind of topic of future of work and where things are going, what does the future of work look like for the rest of 2021 and beyond? Hmm. Um, listen, if we see probably the immediate future, uh, one, one, it will be unbalanced, right? Because you will see that we are um, different parts of the world are in different um, maturity places to deal with, with this pandemic, right? So you'll see some of the, the Western um, countries, if you go to, to North America, you probably see more of a deconfinement and people kind of starting to go back to normal or wanting to go back to normal when vaccines are already 
um, at a relatively high uh, percentage. You see then Europe, there is a bit of a mix. In Europe, you have, it's not like, well, it's not one country, therefore, um, you start having some other countries that are a little bit better placed to go back to the new normal than others. But of course, then you go to India or you go to South America, and then you'll see that it will be very, very different. It's so the companies that have globalized and tried to standardize the approach uh, no longer possible right now um, because different parts of the geography of the world will, will be in different places. But I'm excited to try to understand this transition to hybrid. Um, I think there's a lot of expectations that uh, younger generations will, will, will have that as one of the biggest dimensions to make their choices in terms of employment. Um, and and it will, we'll see what are the companies that will be able truly to accommodate to this, to this hybrid um, experiences. You'll, the, the fact that you'll have probably older um, uh, people that have been in the workforce for 20 years, for 30 years as, as we have, um, probably still wanting to go back and not allowing for um, the other types of, uh, of work, um, but that will, that will be short life, I think. Um, I believe that in terms of future of work, we will see, and I said this uh, last year in a LinkedIn Live event, I think we're going to go um, to a new kind of war for talent because those that will be able to adapt will, will be better in position to be able to attract the people that... Uh, and that have the potential to do great things. Um, and it's no longer those that are bigger. Uh, it's no longer necessarily those that have, you know, the, the coolest product or service. Um, I believe that those that will be more successful will be those that actually have a track record of doing um, the right thing. Yep. Um, and then where people will, will want to go, because you know what? You don't know if we're gonna have a COVID-20 or a COVID-21. So I wanna surround myself with good people and people that again, have this track record of doing the right thing. So yep. um, that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm anticipating. Andy. There's that social contract again. We see there that playing go. right into future work. Okay, I want to make sure we get to this. You mentioned earlier this term economics of mutuality. And I know that's something that's important to you right now. What does that mean? And, and how are you using that at, at Mars? Short story here, Andy. So um, I've joined Mars seven months ago. So I'm learning, right? The the culture of Mars, the past of Mars, which is which is phenomenal. Um, and one of the things, one of the, the things that we have, we have five principles, and one of them is mutuality. Um, and I've, I've, I've ultimately fell in love by this pro, by this word. Um, I before that I used reciprocity, which is probably a little bit more you know difficult sometimes even to say in different different languages. Um, Mutuality is, is something that is dear to, to the Mars family. And, and I wanted to understand a little bit better why. And uh, there's a short story there. Back in 2008, our chairman, and, and mind you, this is in the middle of the economic crisis, right? Back in 2008, our chairman says, you know, but guys, uh, what profit is, profit is enough profit? Can we, can we actually have an economic model that, that, that helps us think differently and not only focus on profit. And, and then Mars uh, created a team, or we call it catalysts, that were thinking about with, with people, with economists and all that, thinking about how could we evolve um, to a different model where we can add value and, and create value for more than just the shareholders and the, more than just the financial value. So we came up with, um, with this economics of mutuality, with this new uh, economic model um, that ultimately 
try to do some research and somehow demonstrate that the companies that are creating value more than just their shareholders are those that are more sustainable and those that ultimately you know, end up creating even more financial value. Let me give you an example. So um, the companies that, for example, we have, you know, we're known by our chocolate, right? Um, and, and of course, for us, it's really important that our cocoa farmers have a sustainable life and they actually have a good life and they're able to, um, uh, to sustain themselves as well, right? So as a company, we will not want to squeeze their margins to a point that is completely um, uh, uh, non-sustainable, right? As others have done, right? Because we know that that's not the right thing. So how can we be mutual and actually create mutual value in our value chain so that we are sustainable and therefore even uh, creating more financial financial value? There are, for, for those of you know, your, your listeners that wanna um, uh, know more about economics of mutuality, just type EOM, economics of mutuality, Mars and Google, you'll see a lot of good, um, good videos and, 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 and data on, on these economics of mutuality. Long story short, um, mutuality for me is, is something that will, is again attached to doing the right thing. And, and, and it's attached to the fact that if you do the right thing, it's the trust that if you do the right thing, you will generate more value um, and you'll generate more value for you, for society, for, um, for, your, for your communities and for the world at large. So there are different dimensions, as some, as I was saying. Obviously, value to your associates, value to your value chain, value to your communities, value to your to the nature, to the world. Um, there are dimensions that ultimately are included in this new economic model um, that I believe will be at the forefront of what the future world will will be for us, uh, Andy. Fantastic! I love it. Really laying out a model for other organizations to think about. Again, the common thread through all this is thinking about people. The modern social contract, putting people first. An organization's goal objective always is to maximize value for shareholders or stakeholders, and that includes employees, it includes customers, and includes uh, you know equity shareholders as well. So glad to see that that approach being taken. You know, I want to ask you: Did you have something you want to add? Yeah, I think there's a myth that I believe we need to deconstruct, Andy. There's a myth that if we actually think about people or or our associates, then 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 we're not going to gain as much financial mm. value, right? It's not one or the other. It, they are not in opposite places of the spectrum, right? It's, it's not because the old uh, paradigm that if, oh, if I'm, it's not about being good to people or protecting people. It's actually doing the yeah. right thing, which is different. And doing the right thing um, is doing the right thing for people and doing the right thing for the organization and for the world as well. I've, I had... Sometimes, you know, doing the right thing might be having a tough conversation about the future of someone, but it's doing right. the right thing. It's not being soft. This mutuality is not about being soft and just making, making soft decisions. It's about doing the right thing. And sometimes doing the right thing, it's hard, but you still need to do it. And I think we need to deconstruct that. Yeah, thing. absolutely. It reminds me of, I'm a big fan and proponent of the book Multipliers by Liz Weissman. It talks about being a multiplier and I've run many workshops on that and talked to people about what that means. And it's not being soft and being a kind, gentle leader. It's being very supportive of your people and also challenging them and being willing to give feedback and making the right moves at appropriate times. And sometimes if someone's not a fit, we've got to move them just somewhere else or ask them to leave. And that could be the really the best thing for them too, even though it's hard in the moment, but doing the right thing for the people and the organization and, and everybody involved 
And then hopefully you see the organization and shareholders being rewarded for that. And it sounds like you're seeing that. So, you know, I have a few more questions to ask you for our bonus round before we get there. For anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, follow you, where's the best place for them to go? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is where, where I'm, I centralize mostly everything. I need to be a bit of more avid user of Twitter. Not yet there, but, but LinkedIn would be the place where you can follow what I'm doing, um, some of the podcasts that I do. Um, and some of the some of the questions that I have, um, I've been challenged, or I am being challenged by some people to actually write more and to be able to post more some of my ideas. So, um, if you're listening and if you believe I need to, if uh, you believe I can provide some value, then then nudge me a little bit, and uh, hopefully I'll, uh, I'll I'll have as much nudges as I can, and then and then have the energy and uh, and the courage also to get out there and to. Uh, to share my uh, all right let's go i want to see more of that nuno um, so if you're listening make sure that you connect or follow both of us on linkedin i'm posting content almost every day on linkedin as well and oh i can always do more so accountability uh and i, I can see some articles coming out about this mutual you know what you're talking about before the economic model reciprocity economics and mutuality and all that sort of stuff all right well thank you for coming on all right, that's going to do it for my interview with Nuno Gonsalves, who is the Global Head of Strategic Capability Building for Mars. If you want to hear the rest of the interview, the bonus content where I ask Nuno about his biggest career accomplishments, his biggest mistake or failure, as well as the trends he's following in talent development and his advice for those of you in talent development to accelerate your career success, you can find it on our members-only podcast inside the Talent Development Think Tank community. And if you're not a member, you can come join us and join on a trial basis, $1 right now for the first 14 days to get access to that podcast and all of our recordings, as well as join a couple of our live calls by going to tdtt.us. And if you know you want to join, you can go ahead and jump in and pay for the year. But you can also join on a trial basis, join on a monthly basis. There's no commitment we have tons of great content in our member vault. We now have a new members-only podcast where we're sharing not only bonus content from this podcast, but audio recordings from all of our guest speakers and community calls inside the community. And we have live calls every Wednesday where we bring in speakers like Nuno, who will be speaking soon inside the Talent Development Think Tank community, as well as other really fantastic guest speakers, many of the guests you've heard on this podcast uh, are doing sessions inside the Think Tank for our community, open Q&A, where we discuss all the latest trends, everything going on in talent development, and help support each other in growing our careers in talent development so we can all be more successful together. Again, if you want more information, you can find it all on our website, tdtt.us. And make sure you're following both Nuno and I on LinkedIn. And if you have any questions, ideas, suggestions, feedback, please feel free to send it my way, andy at andystorch.com. All right, that's it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. And take care.